It wasn't until a few years later when I had a breakup with, with an actual person that I was like, actually, I had these exact same feelings when I left swimming. And then that was when I was kind of like, swimming was my first love. You are about to be taken into a chat about sports careers and related issues between an awesome guest and your listening host. The Sports Insider, repurposed Olympic mogul skier and former freeride world tour athlete, Anya Bobia. In this episode, we'll talk about breaking up with your sport and staying friends after. So stay tuned, you'll meet Rachel Boardman from the Beyond the Finish Line podcast. This is Athlete Story, your show if you want to keep a connection to your athletic identity and to other athletes while pursuing your new mission in life after sports. I'm your host, former World Top 10 skier in moguls and freeride skiing, now way into life after sports. And I invite you to join me and other former athletes here on Athlete Story for resources to help you put your former sports career to work for you in life after sports. This image of a relationship breakup comes from former national UK swimmer, Rachel Boardman. She had to break up with swimming when her health didn't allow her to perform to the level of her technique. And she found herself simply falling out of love with the sport that she used to be crazy about. But as most athletes, when they retire, she had to go through some reinvention and she didn't find her new love right away and she didn't settle with swimming either. What she did was she literally went on a walkabout in Australia, coming back with new insight about herself and a new mission and having made peace a little bit with swimming. <laughs> so today she's hosting a successful podcast about struggles in sports and mental issues, depression, and also talking to other former athletes who are now creating their own businesses. So we'll talk about all that and we'll talk about falling out of love and staying friends. Let's welcome Rachel Boardman. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Athlete Story Podcast. Hi. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show to, to tell a little bit about your, your, your story, especially of how of coming out of swimming, because I read this article about you talk about it like it's a breakup in a, in a relationship. And I thought that was a pretty cool angle. How did that all happen? You were like doing the best you were ever doing after a couple of years of struggle. And then what? <laughs> yeah. So at 15, or just before I turned 15, I had, um, I had pneumonia like that, that season, like twice in the same year. And basically from there, it took me three years from that point of being diagnosed before I did like a personal time again, which was a struggle in itself. Like, because just watching all my teammates like make the progress and go hit finals and win medals. And I was just kind of stuck there kind of like still just chugging along, not, not, not seeming to get any further. But eventually I had this one season, the three, three seasons later where I was, I just seemed to be on fire. Everything was going so well. I went on training camp in Italy and I was hitting times. We were supposed like, remember this one set that we did and it was like five, 200 best average. And it was supposed to keep our times between like our PB plus 10 to 12 seconds. And I was hitting PB plus four to six. Um, and I was like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I am. So I kind of knew that a PB was like a, a, be a best time was coming. And then it kind of, it did. And it went to county champs. I hit, I, you know, I did a three, four second P PB, which is like a lot, a lot at like in terms of over a 200. The age I was, you might only knock half a second or whatever at that, that kind of age, but like three or four seconds, I was just like, this is unreal. At that point, I was 
half a second off qualifying for the national champs later on in the year. So I went back, went back, did some hard training as, as you do. And then it got to like the last few competitions before the qualification period finished. And on this particular last one, there was me and there was my two other teammates who were all competing in different age groups. I was competing in one and they were in the like the two below and I, they just happened to be the way that the heats were seeded and whatever they were in the two heats before me so I went and watched watched them swim saw them get their respective qualification times for nationals and I was like right it's my turn now ready to go dived in everything was going well you know that feeling when when you're competing and you just you just have that feeling that it, it, it's it's happening it's good because I knew it was it was going to be close because I'm coming down that that final final length it was it was hard it was hard work and I knew we were kind of battling the, the time and they hit that wall look, looked up at the scoreboard and my heart just sank I'd I'd missed that qualification time by six one hundredths of a second and oh. I was just devastated is is an understatement because of all that hard work that I put put in and I just watched my teammates going when then I'm like okay what am I going to do now and to be honest I don't think I really I didn't take the time to process that like at the time my my coach because where our team was sat in, on the pool side, there was the opposite end, like where the start, where the blocks were. Yeah. And he took that time to walk the whole length of the pool, or right around the pool, to come and make sure that I was all right, which meant a lot to me, to be honest. But at that point, I was like trying to hold back the tears. Um, that's that's kind of you know, I mean, you probably understand. <laughs> get get where I'm coming from in the kind of athlete work. Cause you put everything on the line. That was the end. Of, that was the end of that season for me. Had, had my summer break, came back. It was my last year in doing my A levels for my college, like so the final year before you restart university. So I had to decide what I wanted to do when I finished college, what I went to course I wanted to do at, at university, and had all these other things going on. So I never really processed that kind of event. Yeah. And it was well, to be fair, it's not. It's only in the last kind of couple of months that I really pinpointed that was like the moment the start of the end for me <laughs> um, and then that whole next season I went through these cycles where I get fit and then I'd get a cold and a chest infection and I have to take a week out of the water or whatever and then I'd have to come back and get back fit and it just just nothing was working and I was just fed up of it's, it's- having to go through that process I just the the thoughts kind of cre- crept into my head like what's the point why am I doing this I felt like the sport that I put so much time and effort and that I loved had, had betrayed me almost and then I you know over that that year I kind of came to the conclusion that this was the end for me I didn't want to do it anymore so I kind of I stepped away but I didn't just step away from swimming I stepped away from exercise and sport completely I just had a complete break and I mean it wasn't till a few years later when I actually like I had a like a, a normal relationship breakup with with an actual person that I was like actually I, I had these exact same feelings and when I left swimming and then that was when I was kind of like swimming was my first love which I can I can guess you can relate to with skiing and it was so swimming was my first love and it, it betrayed me basically is that something that really happens for swimmers a lot that you know I can imagine you get a cold and and it's hard to beat once you once you got it because you have to go back in the pool all the time I'm not sure if the particular cold thing I think for me I'm asthmatic and I was diagnosed when I was two so my big trigger is the change in 
temperatures. So around springtime and around autumn time is when my asthma is really bad. And I always, without fail, I'd get a, a really bad cold and a chest, and then I'd get a chest infection because whenever I get a cold, it goes straight to my chest. And then I'd be on antibiotics and steroids and just to, just to get over it. And I'd have to have a couple of weeks to get over that. That was probably just a me thing because of the way I am. But after I had pneumonia, when I had the checkups, like they do like a, a chest x-ray to, and they showed me that I had these, this scarring on my lung from, from the infection, basically. And, I think that didn't help. <laughs> so after this breakup, do you go out and find a new love right away or what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I had the next goal, I guess, which was to to do my degree. From an early age, I was always kind of told, right, you go, you do school and then you get you go to university and you get your degree and you get a good job, blah, blah, blah. So when I finished swimming, it was just a case of, okay, well, that's not in my life now but I've still got this to, to go. I mean, luckily for me, like my coach, when I turned like 16, 17, had turned around to me and said, our teaching system needs some teachers. Do you, do you want to qualify and be a teacher? You know, we'll, we'll pay for it. Kind of. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I found that I loved it. So I carried on um, and I'm still doing it to an extent now. So that helped me pay my way through uni, but also kind of kept that connection. I also threw myself into the scouting. So my I've been in scouts since I was born. Basically, my parents were Cub Scout leaders and I kind of took all that extra free time that I had in mm-hmm. for now that I wasn't swimming and went, right, I'm just plumped myself in scouting and we and, and went that, that route a little bit. What did you teach? So I was teaching swimming to every anyone from age three up to adults your degree what was that in my undergraduate degree was in biomedical science so yeah I'm a bit of a science geek (laughs) and then so when I got to the end of that I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and that is completely fine although nobody told me that it was completely fine to not have your life clued up by then but it you know it is and I always had this thing where like I remember when I was young when I was first making my decisions of what I was going to like study for my GCSEs or my like age 16 exams and my mum kind of said do what you enjoy so I was enjoying university I did a research project and I love that and I love research and I'm I still do. I still love just like learning and, and research. So I decided that I was going to apply to do some PhDs. So that's what I decided to do. I decided that my university career wasn't over yet. So and luckily I managed to get on one in Nottingham studying blood vessel permeability. So the leakiness of blood vessels. And so that's what I went to do for the next four years. That, the way that works is you you have like a basic pay while you do that, right? Yes. Yeah. So it was, I was on, on a scholarship basically. So I had, yeah, what they call a stipend. So I got enough money to to live off and and then all my equipment and everything for the, to actually do the studies and my tuition fees were all paid for as well. It's like a doctor, right? What's yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> call it Dr. Rachel. Hey? Uh, once you have that, what now? What? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I I think one of the reasons why I pursued the PhD was I didn't know what to do. I thought, oh, I know, I know an extra few years, I will. It gives me enough time to figure out what I want to do. 
within about six months of starting the PhD, like I had spiraled down into one of the darkest places that I've ever been. I ended up having these mental issues. I was diagnosed with depression and a part of that was to do with like all the issues that I hadn't worked out from from leaving swimming and a part of it was because PhD once for me and I ended up going home for a week to kind of try and decide what I wanted to do and I remember my mum said that I can stop the PhD right now if I wanted but she basically asked me what are you going to do if you do that and I didn't have an answer for her I didn't know so I went back and I finished um, whether that was a good thing or not I mean no one can take that one away from me and I have learned a lot from it and I can um, go to Rachel <laughs> exactly <laughs> but I knew that at that point that I wasn't going to pursue research or work in academia that way I I then started looking at all different avenues I went up that I could use my PhD for I looked into working in industry like working in the labs in like pharmaceutical companies doing medical writing I look, really looked at medical writing because I was one of those weird people that really enjoyed writing their thesis up like 50,000 words and I really enjoyed doing that so I don't know <laughs> I had this one interview after I'd like had my final exam I had this one interview at this uh, a medical writing company and they rang me up I remember sitting on the stairs having this phone call they basically they said to me that I did really well in this this one part, but this other part, like about basically the, the the writing exam, there was a couple of things that I didn't get that they basically needed me to, to get to say, yes, we, we want you. And I just remember thinking, I just wasn't bothered. Yeah. And I just was like, immediately my mind switched. I went, all right, well, now I can go traveling. Because <laughs> at that point I was toying with the idea and it was the only thing that, that really got me excited about about life, about, you know, looking at all these jobs. And I was like, yeah, I could do them. Yeah, they're good money, but I'm not really that excited about doing, but going traveling. And that's kind of, so I booked a one-way flight to Australia, traveled there for around around there for about a couple of years, basically. So what did you do there? I did the, I did the backpacker thing. I stayed in hostels. I took the Greyhound. I went and explored. I got to see everywhere apart from Darwin and Tasmania. I got to experience different jobs that I would never have ever been able to do back home. So, I mean, I worked in, I worked in a couple of country pubs. Like I worked in this one country pub in a little town called Injun in the middle of Queensland. It's like, it's, it's, it's like 400 people that live there and it's an hour away from the nearest town. It's like a day's drive to Brisbane. I was plunked in this 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 pub. I you know I was living in this pub. I was eating out of this pub, and within like two days of being there, like I felt like I was part of the community, which was great. I um, I loved it there. It's one of my my best experiences. One of my other best jobs that I did. I worked on a dairy farm for three months, and that was cool. My swimming career came in to help them because I was up you know up milking cows at four a.m. So <laughs> those early mornings came in handy. Um, but that. <laughs> The weirdest uh, transferable skills. Like I find, I know, right? <laughs> building this place here, and I find myself having to maneuver all these long logs, and I'm like, yeah, I feel kind of at home carrying <laughs> things on my shoulder. Well, so far, I've, I've recognized two things that come up a lot when we retire from sports, and one is like this: we're so used to having feedback all the time, either from our coach, from the scores, from your personal best, and all that. 
and then we kind of look for where, where can we get this feedback? Are we doing all right? Are we on track? Are we, I think your PhD was kind of giving you that for, for a while. Yeah. Is, is this belonging thing? You have to kind of figure out where do I belong now? <laughs> you're, you're traveling probably did some, uh, yeah yeah so um, I don't know how much traveling you've done or whatever but like obviously I was staying in hostels because it's you know it's the cheapest place to stay and you're meeting all these new people from all different walks of life different countries around the world and you have the same conversations with these people you know what I call introduction conversations so you know you talk about you know you introduce yourself where you're from how long have you been traveling you know where have you been where have you not been tell me you know a little bit about yourself And um, after a while, one of the things that I really, I noticed was one of the things that I was telling people about myself almost straight away was I was a swimmer. I wasn't telling them I had a PhD because, well, when you tell, as soon as you tell someone you've got a PhD, they look at you and they treat you differently because they're like, oh, you're super clever. I'm, 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 you know, maybe I'm a little bit clever, but I don't count myself as like a, like as clever as like Einstein or someone um, or any of the guys from Big Bang Theory for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but I was telling people that about the swimming, about my, like all the, the stories that I had from my swimming time in swimming and suddenly I don't know I can't remember when it was but it just clicked I was like I've been like hiding this part of myself for so long why have I been doing this this is this is obviously quite a huge part of myself I need to embrace it and and do something with it and that's actually a third thing is as athletes when when, when we come out we so try to you know okay that was that and now we're full-on on something new and and we we leave that totally behind, not always on purpose and not because we want to hide it. Or any, Well, sometimes we do, but, but just because it, it's like, what's the point now? Because now I'm doing this, right? And I think that what you come to realize is that it is a big part of you. And there's, there are some strengths in there that you can take with you in, in life after sports. So, so, yeah, I don't think we should just throw it all away. No, I agree. I think sometimes it's a little bit like because you're so structured when you are an athlete and you're training, you you almost compartmentalize pieces of your life. I know I don't I know I did anyway, just so I could get everything, you know, I could do my training, I could do my schoolwork, I could be with my family, that those kind of things. So then when you finish, it's like you've closed off that compartment now that you don't need it anymore and you kind of concentrate on these ones over here. So it's just, you know, remembering that you can open that compartment up every now and again. And, and like you said in that article, you could kind of stay friends after, <laughs> after you broke up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I know you run a podcast like this one and <laughs> talk to a lot of athletes about, yeah, well, also telling their stories and what else is this about? And what's the name of it? Yeah, so my podcast is called Beyond the Finish Line. And I kind of got the idea after I had that revelation that I've just talked about that I needed to be in my life. I actually, I went on this 9,000 kilometers solo road trip through the Australian Outback, which was an experience in itself, but it gave me a lot of time to think. And I guess sometimes I refer to it as my my own little wild moment or like eat, pray, love moment that was, you know, unintentional. And I kind of, I had this... What they call it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, as I went through the journeys, you know, I, suddenly, I, really, I thought about the news articles and the social media stuff that I'd seen with top athletes that talk, talked about their struggles and after they left their sport and the mental health issues. And I was kind of sat there like, well, just thinking, well, I had this happened to me. It must, if it happens to me, this, this, you know, 
national level swimmer, you know, someone who didn't make it pro or to the Olympics or whatever, and it's happening to people up here, then it must be happening to a huge amount of people, but nobody's talking about it. So that was kind of the, the initial like inspiration for the podcast. So that's kind of one of the big things that I like to chat with the people I have on the show. We chat about their background in sport and their transition out, the struggles that they have. And we, I like to keep it conversational. And I'm so grateful that everyone that I have on the show, just like you, is very open about their personal struggles that they've had and they're quite happy to share but and we also I also have the other angle that everyone I have in the show now runs their own business because I believe that I mean a lot of athletes especially if you get to a high level can they have this the the options that they believe are open to them are like coaching or something to do with fitness whereas there's so many more options out there you don't have to go get a nine-to-five job and to be fair I feel like a lot of the skills and attributes that you get from being an athlete you also need as an entrepreneur so you don't have to learn them you've already got them you're at an advantage to you know all those other people out there so I just wanted to highlight the stories of people that have been in a situation and now look what they're doing and so we share we share the struggles we share the highlights and the tips and I've had a whole range of people from many different sports I've you know I've had basketballers gymnasts uh, skiers like yourself uh, track and field softball if you had an ex-NFL pro cricketer a fencer um, so yeah we I like to get a good perspective from from everywhere really did you go about it like in the very Dr. Rachel scientific way, <laughs> way like, <laughs> how did you go about starting it so I have been friends online with um, a guy called Jamie Atkinson and we kind of be, we kind of started our online business journey back in 2017 to, to kind of together so I mean he's like killing it now and he's last May I think he started a podcast and he seemed to like figure out the the way to do it and so I got in contact with him and he had started teaching people how to launch a podcast and so he helped me launch, launch my podcast and while I probably could have done it on my own that it would have taken me so much longer if I hadn't had that that you know that mentor and that coach <laughs> again like like we have back in sport you could go I could have gone and you know taught myself this aim to coach myself through swimming but I wouldn't have got half as far as I did do without an actual coach yeah I want to just hang on to this because it's a very important message but that we often forget is hey we had a coach uh, back in sports and it helped out quite a bit maybe to do things faster and more effectively and without as many mistakes and then so often later on we forget about it trying to figure out everything ourselves so I loved it that you did it that way. And how, how is it going? I mean, it's still early days. I've only been, I think I've only been launched like two and a half months. But my launch went really, really well. I got within three days, I think it was, of launching. I hit the top 50 in the entrepreneur category in the UK iTunes markets, which was just like ridiculous because I don't really have an audience or like an email list or anything. So I kind of hoped with the kind of strategies that Jamie taught me that I'd, I'd get maybe into the top 200, but top 50 was just unreal. So is the launch phase, is that very important? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like anything. It's, it's about creating that that, bu that buzz around it. So his whole program is like four or five weeks. And those like last couple of weeks, once you've got all your assets and you're doing your interviews, is about building that 
that hype around it. So I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do this podcast. Like even my mum and dad didn't know. I just dropped this post on my Facebook. There was like something big is coming on this day. And everyone was like, what the hell? Like what's going on? It's like, I was half expecting someone to ask me, you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was, um, they were like, what's coming? What's coming? And my mum was like, why, why can't you just tell me? He's like, no, you've got to wait. You've got to wait. And then, so I just, you just, it was just a case of creating this, this high um, leveraging my my launch guests so the strategy that I used um, which works really well is I launched with seven episodes so rather than just like going one two three and then each week so I launched with seven episodes they were all really short they were about 10 minutes long so what I'd done I sat down with my guests and I'd ask them one question the same one question to all of the guests so I think I think my question was what would be your best piece of advice for an athlete that wanted to start a business and then we'd talk about that and then I'd follow up with them we'd have I had a longer interview um, with them which then got released every week so when I launched people weren't just downloading one episode they were downloading seven and the way that iTunes works is the the algorithm for ranking you is to do with your your downloads your ratings and reviews. So I leveraged because I don't have I didn't don't really have a list or, or an audience. So I had to leverage my guests. I got them to promote my my show as well and, and get the, them to rate and review the show and got their audience to rate and review the show and along with obviously family and friends and whatnot. And that seemed that that seemed to work. It got me in the top fifty. So I'll, I'll uh, take advantage of this and encourage anybody who is listening right now to go and rate and review this show. Of course, I'd love to hear what you think about it. And then I'd love for the listeners to know your name of your podcast. I don't think you did you say what the name is. It's yeah, it's called Beyond the Finish Line. Well, you don't have a website website that goes along with it. No, not at the minute. I just have a link. I have links to it on my Facebook and my Instagram. Instagram is that the best way for people to to reach you and follow you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I am at Rach Boardman. R A C H B O A R D M A N. But to be fair, I mean, if you reach out to me on Facebook as well, um, then I'll wherever. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and your struggles and opening up so that other people can listen to your podcast as well. No worries. Thanks for having me on. I've had a great time. All right. Thank you, Rachel. Take care and consider yourself part of the Athlete Story community. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Athlete Story. You are awesome. If you are yourself a world-class athlete or former, don't hesitate to come over on athletestory.com and check out more free stuff and resources to help you thrive in and benefit from your sports career. Dare to prepare. Then get yourself out there. Stay in touch.